Live from Kalaloo Studios in New York City, you are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kashana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. And now let's take this offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. All right, Fab Crew, so we have made it to the end of season one of Let's Take This Offline with me, your host, Kishana Palmer. Okay, listen, I can't tell you how many DMs I received saying that y'all wanted more of my daddy, Bernard Palmer. And so I thought it would just be so much fun for y'all to hear some of the tidbits that this gentleman dropped that did not make it into his podcast episode. I mean, my dad is full of stories and gems. And so as we walk through that entire season, talking about legacy, talking about martyritis, talking about play and talking about when the honeymoon is over. I mean, we rocked it from top to bottom and good old Bernard has something to say about all of it. So listen in for all of his outtakes, (laughs) intakes, and some of his inside thoughts outside in this episode. Enjoy. Legacy. That's a great word. Too many of us, you know, really have no way of actually uh, creating a legacy, leaving anything or providing for anybody else. But, you know, there are a lot of us who actually have more than we think we have. What happens many times is that I believe that we are so focused on the day-to-day living, the pain, the bills today, that we don't realize that we need to worry about What's going to happen tomorrow? There are too many people, I believe, many times that believe that they, they believe in the old age of living for today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. There are people who, for example, who does not actually believe in life insurance. I jokingly call it death insurance because you never collect it when you're alive. So how is it called a life insurance if you're dead before somebody can collect it from you? But that being said, it is one of those necessary evils, I believe, that you know you must have that because... If you love your loved ones and you want to make sure that when things, when you're gone, they are not stressed out or worried about it, that is something that you are, you, you should actually absolutely take care of. Now we talk about legacies. I came to this country a few years ago, quite a bit of years ago, and I have worked very hard to, uh, you know, achieve a few little things. But one of the things that was uh, mainly on my mind in achieving anything that I got was to make sure that my children my family was always taken care of and from ins- from life insurance to whatever else to even long-term care insurance. I have actually uh, taken care of that because in the, I have never believed that 
the things are not going to happen. I believe they will happen and it's better to be prepared for them than not be prepared. And when they happen, you go, oh, I should have, could have, would have. My mom, I don't know, saying if you notice, you recognize that every time that I talk, I talk about what my mom always said because she's my mentor in many ways and my role model. She says that the rain is about to fall. All forecasts told it was going to fall uh, two days from now. You didn't buy the umbrella. Now, the day the rain is falling, you go and the umbrella is costing you $5 more than it should have cost the day before. Now you're complaining. You should have bought it the day before when it was $1.50 as opposed to $10 because she always believed in it's better to have it and don't need it than need it and don't have it. Let's talk about, let's, let's think about, for example, savings. We, we are great at consu- as consumers, but we are not very good, many of us, at actually saving and actually showing our, our, our siblings and our family and so like how to go about making sure that the small thing that you have is multiplied many times over. We did not, in many cases, and I'm not blaming anybody for it, because in many cases we were never taught it and, and we were never given the opportunity to know how to do it. I remember when I, years ago when I considered buying a house, the... the let me go back a little further. In 19, a few years back, go back in the 80s, my mom was about to buy a house. And I was a young man at the time, 25. I wasn't making that much money. My mom, my mom worked and she tried to buy a house. The bank turned her down because I was a co-signer and they told her that I was too young to be a co-signer. And based on what she was making, it was hers wasn't enough. Not knowing any better, my mom actually just basically gave up that fight and didn't go any further. Only later on in life that I realized that it was plain and simple discrimination, age discrimination. I was making enough money. I was working long, long enough in the place inside and therefore I should, would have more than qualified me. What I'm talking about is lack of knowledge many times, not, not lack of ability, but lack of knowledge. When it comes to savings or anything of that nature, many times it's not because we would not have been able to save, it's because we did not know how to do it or what to do. They told me I couldn't buy a house years ago unless I had X amount of money put for deposit. But nobody bothered to tell me that time because I didn't know that there were many, many programs that could have qualified you without money to get that same house. And we talk about house and legacy. When you start by getting a small piece of the rock, as we call it, is where you start building a legacy. If I didn't buy a house, or if I didn't own a house, or I didn't have anything, how am I going to leave anything for anybody? I went into correction years ago. And like I said, I never worked hard. I worked smart. I went in there and they told me that, oh, we have a 401k. I said, what was that? They explained to me what a 401k was. It wasn't because I was dumb. I was never exposed to what a 401k was, so I knew not what it was. Once it was explained to me, and they also told me, here's another trick. For every dollar that you put in, we're going to give you 50 cents. What? Really? Let me explain this to me real. I put in a dollar, you're going to give me 50 cents? <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. For every year that I was in creation after that, I maxed out whatever it is and take whatever money they could give me because I believe in this. You want to give me money and I'm going to invest it, I'm going to take it. That being said, there were lots of uh, officers, young officers that came in that I tried my best to uh, educate them in actually using that particular venue and they didn't. Only to find that years later when they have been retired, they are now worrying about working 
because they had nothing there. So to create a legacy, you must have the knowledge. Once you have the knowledge of what you can and cannot do, the power is usually in your hands. Leadership, interesting subject. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you're always um, trying to figure out what to do, the right thing to do, when to do it, and how to get it done. Leadership is in, in many forms um, something that is either within you or it's not. I, <clears throat> I can think of something that comes to mind now, particularly in this climate and this world that we are in. There was a, a, a judge that I liked years ago, and he wrote a book. His name was Judge Bruce Wright. And I remember reading a particular book that he wrote called, um, called uh, Black Robe, White Justice. Interesting book. Before Bruce Wright died, a lot of uh, people dubbed him Turn Him Loose Bruce because they claimed that his bail policies were so um, lenient that um, a lot of people were being let loose on the street. My, my position on that really is that Bruce Wright was actually taking a leadership role in recognizing that the premise of bail was not to uh, punish, but was actually to ensure that you actually return to court on the day that was, was given to you. Now, we're, in a, we're at a time now where one of the biggest void we have in this country as we speak is a leadership void. We have people, I'm not going to call names, don't need to, but we all know where we're going with this one. We have the moral. The moral compass of this country is lost because the leaders, the people that we put in place to lead, seems to have forgotten how to lead. They seem to uh, want to do whatever they need to do, regardless of whether it is right or wrong or whether it actually serves the, the, the public or not. If you, if you, if you are going to be an effective, a good leader, it has to be where whatever decisions that you make is going to actually benefit the mass, the most people it can, as opposed to benefiting you the most and maybe 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 i'm naive in thinking this that to be a good leader you don't always have to be right you know bill clinton was considered one of the best presidents we have we have had and one of the things that i found that was so interesting about bill, bill clinton is that bill clinton would actually he was actually, many people will look at it as a different way, but I look at it in a more positive way. Bill Clinton would go into a room with, this is what I've been uh, told, with five and six different people giving different opinions on different things. When he comes out of the room, he would normally have one decision as to what he's going to make, but it would be his decision. A good leader, a CEO, does not need to surround themselves with people who are less smarter than they are. They need to surround themselves with people who are smarter than they are and then be willing to actually listen to what they say and actually incorporate those ideas and decisions into what they do. That is what makes you a good leader. You, 
you don't have to be right always. And you must be willing to admit that you are actually wrong on something or you could be wrong. If you are not willing to do that, then you are not a leader of men anymore. You are simply dancing to your own drum and you will simply, in hiring, for example, you will end up hiring people who are what we refer to as yes people. And if you're running a company, a corporation, any business at all, and if all you have around, if the people around you are not willing to tell you that you are wrong when you're wrong, they are enough no good to you. My mom had an old saying, she said, when you come to me with a, with a, with a question mark about something that you need to do, you better have a, 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 a plan as to how you plan to solve it. Because if you got to bring me the problem and I got to solve it, why do I need you? I don't need you for that. So come with a plan. Maybe I will tell you that, oh, well, maybe I wouldn't do it quite that way. I will tweak it a little here and there. But you better come with a plan because if you don't come with a plan, I need to bring somebody inside who's going to bring a plan with me. Values. I believe it's very important to have clear values. It, um, first of all, it is important to, for people to know exactly where you stand on issues and things that are important to you. There's this old saying that I totally believe in and I've always used it to my friends is that, you know, if you stand for nothing, you are going to fall for everything. So that being said, without values, how can you say you have values if you believe in nothing and stand for nothing at all? The, from the workplace to the to your social atmosphere, there must be some line that you are not willing to cross where they talk about the bridge too far to cross you must have some kind of boundaries that people understand that they won't cross or they won't do there are certain things that you won't tolerate uh, my friends um one of the things that I, I i do practice with my friends is that and i again i go back to my mom many time she believes in that um you should not allow people to bring news to you, what we refer to in Jamaica as a carrier go bring come. They say that, you know, if somebody start bringing news to you, first of all, something that is said in a third party atmosphere is never uh, repeated the way it was actually said initially. So it is more likely to be uh, misunderstood or said wrongly than it was intended and cause more damage than actually was intended. I tell my friends always, one of the things is that anything that anybody says to you that I supposedly said, come and ask me. I am big enough, I'm man enough to actually admit to it. And if it's a misunderstanding or it's something that I can, that I need to say, listen, I apologize for saying it because it wasn't intended that way, but this is how the conversation go. I will do that. That's why that I refers to as simply values and standards. Again, it comes around to standing up for what you believe and believing in something. So, you know, when it comes to um, values, um, my, my, my position is, in, is we have, we talk, we are, we're in a political situation right now, very political situation. And one of the things that I believe that is missing or lacking in this political climate is actually values, core values, the value of life, the value of anything at all. Take Black Lives Matter, for example. It's about values again. What do you value? What do you consider your standard that you will not cross? 
we are we're in a society now where it doesn't seem like that is important anymore. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. You must stand for something or you will end up falling for everything. Squad. Call it a squad. You call it a group. You call it a... We'll call it the passive because it becomes a negative connotation that, you know, which we don't want to go there and we talk about negative. When I talk about squad, now we talk about uh, Alexander Ocasio and, and, and uh, Omar and the rest of them. Now, they call them a squad. I don't know why they call them a squad. All they are are a group of women who basically band together with one ideas and they decide that in order to get things done, they get it done. If you work together, you get it done better than if you try and work individually. Now, if you're going to call your squad, then I have my own squad. But my squad is my domino fellas them. Now, what do we, what do, we do in the, in, in the squad? Instead? Why is it important to have a squad? It is important to have a squad because I'm going to tell you something, for example. You know, you know the whole saying about good friend is better than pocket money. You can have a hundred million dollars in your pocket and if you have nobody to share it with, or to, uh, I mean, people are genuine I'm talking about, then it's of no good to you. I make a joke always with friends. I have a few friends that really like to cook. No, <laughs> I'm not one of them. I speak with I said a few friends. So I, I tell them, I said, okay, go ahead and do all the cooking over and I'll do all the eating. Because I was here this much. If I, I tested them, if a chef cooks all the food, the greatest food in the world, and there's nobody to eat it, then that food would have gone to waste. So somebody has to cook and somebody has to eat. So my squad is exactly coming to that place. If something happens on the street, something happens anywhere, and I need help, I don't have to call a stranger. I call one of my boys inside. I call one of my girls inside, and I know they are there, and vice versa. When I grew up in Jamaica <clears throat> as a young man, we started with the squad thing from back then, not even knowing that we were doing it. I grew up as young as I was, and I remember one of the things that my father did growing up in the village is that anytime we had uh, any work to do, let's say nine or ten men from the neighborhood would get together on a particular day. We work the field, and they would get to the field, and they would work. Now, they had, what we built was a small hut in the area, and the two or three of the women from the family would come down and cook breakfast and so forth while the men are working. They get there by five, six o'clock. Now, what happens after that is that every you and you know owe everybody in the district one day, and as soon as they have something to do, you all go over there and get it done. So everybody work together and get it done. You're building a house, you had you never pay for building a house. You had the carpenter in the neighborhood, you have the mason, and so that was our squad from by the not even knowing it, not even knowing it. So I come to this country and I always still believe, you know, the whole saying about it takes a village to, to raise a child. It also takes a village to function, you know. One of the things that I find so disheartening in this country in many areas is that you have neighbors moving to move move in and you will introduce yourself, you will say hi and so forth and so forth, and it's not reciprocated. They don't come back and say it, or there seems to maybe it's the the uh, maybe it's uh I'm not sure what it is, but the the people seems to be always not very trusting. But I guess I guess maybe I grew up in a different area, so because of that I, I grew up in a more trusting uh, village sort of setting. But that being said, I'm dealing with the squad and what I call my squad. My squad is there because my squad comes to my rescue, comes to my help. We help each other. We basically support each other. I had a 
a, um, a job to do recently. And I, I sent out a, a message to the guys and all my message said was, this is the job I have to do. I have to do it this day. Anybody who does not show up better bring them, bring me a doctor's note. <laughs> Guess what? There were 10 guys there in the day and the job was done in three hours. That is why I believe it is important to have, what do you call it, a squad? You call it your posse? You call it your goombas? You call it your friends? Whatever you call them, man. No man is an island. No man stand alone. Work, work, work. Every time we look around, we're talking about work. You know something, work is good, but I tell you something, all work and no play make Jack or Tom or whatever you want to call it, a very dull person. You have to have other interests outside of work. Work is good, but check me for example. Now, I've been retired for some years now, and if anybody ever mentioned the word work to me, I would look at them like, how many heads do you think I have? I'm not working no more. And it does not mean that I have a whole lot of uh, things, uh, money and things of a nature. It just means that I'm comfortable in myself and in what, in what I do or what I don't do. My pastime is, when I was a young man, I played basketball. Didn't play very well because I remember the first time I played basketball at a park. Uh, the guys, <laughs> this is going to be funny. I just remember it now as I'm talking. I remember playing with these guys and the guys keep calling me Butch, Butch. And I'm wondering to myself, why are these guys calling me Butch? But of course, I didn't play basketball very much at the time. Only to learn later on that I was butchering the guys so hard <laughs> that they had changed my name to Butch. But that being said, I played long enough and hard enough that I learned it enough where I could actually enjoy the game. Now at this age, one who's talking about playing no basketball now. So pastime is my little dominoes. Dominoes. For some people, it's a chess game. For some people, it's a cards game. For some people, it could be anything at all. But one thing that I find that playing my dominoes do, does is actually it takes you into another world and it takes you away from the daily chores or whatever it is you are doing. It's camaraderie with your friends. And don't get me wrong. When we sit down playing dominoes, some serious words take place inside here. But one of the things that we do, we tell each other, remember this. Whatever is in the domino table is just about the domino. It has nothing to do with it. So right after we finish cursing one another out, and if they need help two seconds later and call, man, is the first person to help helping you on the whole group. It's a, it's a mind. I have friends that comes by to play, and you could tell they'll call in the middle of the day to find out. We're playing this evening or not. I say, yes, because what? They need it to get away. And it doesn't mean that maybe they were having problems with the wife or something, but you know, you know, this pandemic, this pandemic has actually done uh, wonders in many ways, negative and positive. You have men and women who are home now who have seen their one another in two years more than they had seen their one another in 40 years of marriage. Because what was happening before is that one was going to work, they were passing like ships in the night. But now that they are forced to live and actually coexist, I call it, with one another, they are also, it is even more important to have extracurricular activities where you actually can get away with one another. I am one of those persons, for example, I joke about that. I don't need nobody dripping over me all the time. 24 7 on the because I go peel you off like a bad habit and get rid of you. <laughs> 
so so you know my my little extracurricular activity and i said it to anybody at all who's listening if you're not doing anything on the outside i'm talking about something sports something for the mental and physical uh well-being then get doing it man because sooner or later you will start looking at looking at one another and going like you'll end up in court which is the last thing you want and they just ask you why are you inside it and you're gonna say I really don't know, you know. I was just trying to tell her to shut up for a minute. I was just trying to tell him to shut up for a minute. You understand me? So don't let that happen to your man. Go out and get some sport done. It is important for both mentally and physically. Why do we fill up our time with so much stuff? Why do we always seem to be so busy? We're busy doing this, that, and the other. We're making sure that we are Miss Goody this or Mr. Goody that because we have to make sure everybody knows that we are we are the person to come to. Sometimes I believe it's about um, not valuing ourselves enough to recognize that we need to make time for ourselves. We want to be important. We want to feel needed. We need to feel needed, I think, sometimes. You have people who are making schedule. They get up in the morning and they have more things to do than the amount of hours to do in the day. <laughs> Sometimes I also believe it, it comes down to because if you're so busy worrying about somebody else's problem, I guess you, you forget yours for a second. It's like, it's like the guy who drinks because he has a problem and not realizing that, guess what? When the drink is worn off, the problem is actually still there. So, you know... It's, it, it's a mechanism, I believe, in many ways to deal with or avoid it, to avoid dealing with certain things that we need to, to face in our life. It works for some people. It doesn't uh, work for others. But I, I honestly believe that people that make uh, a lot of people that have too many things scheduled on the day and then they are the first one to complain that I have so much things to do. I don't have enough time, hours in the day to do it. Maybe if, you, maybe if you didn't schedule so many things, you'd actually have time to do it. Try leaving a little time for yourself. You must remember that when all is said and done, without you, there is nothing else. You, you're worrying about your children. You're making schedule for them to do this. You're worrying about your neighbors. You're making schedule to do that. And you get it all done. And when the day is over, guess who's left out of it? You remind me of an accountant once I heard about who actually was running a was running a, a, a factory. The weekend came around and he had uh, shelled out checks for everybody, but he sits at the table and he goes, "There is somebody that I forget. I really can't remember who I forget." So he said, "Ah, why worry about it?" He goes home. His wife says to him, "Well, honey, can we deposit check tomorrow?" And he goes, "Oh my God, I forgot me." Never let it be in a situation where when all is said and done, you become that accountant that actually wrote check for everybody else and didn't, leave, didn't write any check for yourself. You must remember that when all is said and done, there is nobody more important in a daily living or in life than you. Sometimes it is actually, it is actually uh, necessary. Necessary is the word I'm looking for. It's actually necessary to be selfish. It's a good thing. We have an old saying, you know, there are two types of guys. There are some that run their house and there are some that run around their house. Don't be the one that run around your house. Now, that being said, because a guy says he runs his house does not mean that he dictates what goes on inside his house. I had a friend of mine years ago, 
I, I won't mention her name, but I work with her. She was a nurse. And she said to me that she needed to have carpets put into her house, but the husband would not cooperate because he didn't want the carpet. So a few days later, I was a week maybe. So she came in and said to me, say, hey, I got the carpet and put it in the house. So I said, how you managed to do that, man? She said, I'm making believe it was his, if I'm making believe it was his idea. All right. No. There's an old, there's an old thing where they say, we're telling women, them, women sometimes don't understand how powerful they are, you know. It is not, it is not about always being right. It's about getting people to do right. And in most cases, you can get us to do almost anything. It depends on the approach. We need to feel that our manhood is staying in place, has stayed in place while you get everything you want. You get, you go get it, you know. Now, let's take, let's take, we talk about back to the, the running around your house or running your house again now. You running your house has nothing to do with telling everybody what to do, when to do, how to do. It's about compromising. It's about making sure that when a decision is made, decision is made where it is in the best interests of everybody. Now, I look at running a house as an example slightly different, which people might not agree with me, but it's all right. I understand. The controversy is always good. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Now, a lot of people talk about 50-50 in a house. As far as I can tell, that is nonsense. That is nonsense. I could be wrong, but that is nonsense. If you have 50-15 relationship in most cases, you will end up standing up at the middle of the street and get nothing done. So I personally, me per, this is just my personal belief. I go with the 60-40. And that does not mean that I'm going to, and now, like a CEO of a business, you must be willing to listen to the people around you and take advice when their advice is better than, than your original idea. Now, the reason I say 60-40 is simple. When in my house, I'm going to talk about my house now, you know, talk about your home. You have to do what, what good for you. But I tell you about mine. <laughs> I put my business on the street, you know. I don't know why, but I put my business on the street. But listen, now, if I allow a 50-50 decision to be made and I did not agree with it and it goes wrong, who do you think they're going to call? Ghostbuster? No, it's me they're going to call. So it come back to me anyway. So I'd rather take that 60% decision. And, and when, no, remember, 60-40 is not that far off. So it means you hear everybody out, but you have a decisions to make. So I'll hear all, the, all what they got to make, and I'll make a decision. If I feel strongly enough based on where I'm standing, if I don't feel strongly enough, I'm anyway weak on it, I will go along with it because that's when the 50-50 comes in. But my thing is that if the decision goes wrong, I'm going to take the blame. And if the decision goes right, they all get the credit. So you know something, I'll take the blame if it goes. So that's the only reason why I say, you know, you know I, 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 I don't particularly care for a person who runs around the house. You have some, listen, when it's that running around the house, we're talking about a man who basically, and when we say that we're usually talking about our men friend, them, you can't, you can't have the woman telling you, henpeck is a different word, telling you everything that you can and cannot do. I'm not saying again that the women don't have decisions and opinions and all that because <laughs> like Confucius say, <laughs> man who give to give wife hard time any day goes to bed without peace. Spell it any way you want to spell it. A few business that. So it is very important that you know that. Mama say you know a man should always know what side his bread is buttered on. Okay, 
So I try to keep and know what side my bread is buttered on. I make sure that the woman is always satisfied. But by the same token, you got to remember that compromise is one of the most important things when it comes to any kind of relationship and running your house. Are you ready for season two? Y'all, I just can't wait. We have got quite the lineup. I'm talking how to negotiate for more money. What about this customer service orientation? Strengths, intergenerational teams, virtual teams. I mean, the whole kit and what caboodle. But you have got to keep it locked, which means download, Subscribe, comment, and definitely forward to a friend so you can be the first to know when a new episode drops each Thursday. All right, Fab Crew, I'll be seeing you around for season two.